The fantasy football season never comes to an end at Roster Watch. My name is Alex Dunlap, and if you want more of the Roster Watch podcast, you can get it by signing up for a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. With a pro membership, you get access not only to all of our award-winning and awesome tools that are going to help you win in fantasy football, any kind of fantasy football that you play, but also to the Roster Watch Pro Library of Podcasts, where during the off-season we'll be bringing you content for your dynasty leagues, for your MFL team for your best ball leagues from various locations such as the Senior Bowl, the NFL Combine, the RosterWatch.com Pro Day Tour, the RosterWatch.com Rookie Mini Camp Tour, and of course the Epic Training Camp Tour. You can't get this information unfiltered, uncensored, and unfettered from anywhere else but right here at RosterWatch.com. Go to RosterWatch.com right now and get a pro membership. My name is Alex Dunlap and I support this message. Hey guys, it's the Trash Man. And this is the fantasy fallout for week 11 going into week 12. Let's go ahead and get started. First, with the Packers at the Seahawks. Packers lost this one 24-27. Jimmy Graham broke his thumb, jeopardizing the rest of his season. Lance Kendricks is next up at tight end, but Robert Tonyan played well at the position as well, catching a 54-yard touchdown. I would prioritize Kendricks over Tonyan right now. The Packers' offense funneled through Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, leaving Marquez Valdez-Scantling in the cold, only one reception for eight yards. It's a hard pill to swallow after his hot run, but MVS will have better days, especially now that Graham isn't an option. On the other side of the ball, Rashad Penny, Eight carries, 46 yards, was having a nice game before tweaking his ankle on Thursday night. He returned to action, but was not the same. Hopefully they can shake it off for Week 12 against the Panthers. With the Seahawks running the ball so prevalently, they can sustain two runners in good matchups. Though, Mike Davis in the mix makes Penny a risky flex. David Moore had four receptions, 57 yards, and eight targets on the day. But he's still just too touchdown dependent to rely on with any consistency. On to the next game, the Bengals at the Ravens. Bengals lost this one 21-24. John Ross had his third touchdown in four games on Sunday, but just as in each of those games, his touchdown was his only was one of his only two receptions on the day. He's likely to draw coverage from Denzel Ward next week in Cleveland, so my hands are off. Even with no A.J. Green, Gio Bernard has been virtually useless in the passing game. Six touches, 25 yards. He can be dropped if you picked him up, hoping for the best. On the other side of the ball, you know, as the trash man, I'm ashamed that I didn't have a beat on Gus Edwards, who had 17 carries, 115 yards, one touchdown. He was undrafted out of Rutgers. But we know who he is now, and that's the front runner to lead the Ravens' backfield, unless you consider Lamar Jackson the real candidate. I mean, he did have 117 rushing yards. Either way, Edwards needs to be owned in all formats, He's a bruiser, and he's got an easy schedule ahead of him from here on out. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, he wasn't perfect, but he doesn't have to be. He's a tour de force on his feet, and he can rely on what and he can rely on that when his passing breaks down. He only threw for 150 yards and an interception, and he still came with almost 20 fantasy points in standard leagues because of those 117 yards on the ground. He's still owned in less than 20% of leagues, so he needs to be a top priority if you need quarterback help. The downside is that all Ravens wide receivers will suffer from lack of use, probably, but you weren't using anyone but John Brown anyway. At least I hope you weren't. 
On to the next game, Buccaneers and Giants. Buccaneers came back, but they still lost this one 34-38. I knew it was too early to sound the death knell for Jameis Winston, who had 119 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception in Tampa. Well, for Tampa. He almost brought the Bucs back from sure destruction against the normally hapless Giants after Ryan Fitzpatrick threw three picks and not much else. Winston is wildly inconsistent, but he'll have a juicy matchup with the 49ers this week. Peyton Barber actually looked like a real NFL running back on Sunday, running for 106 yards and a touchdown on 18 carries. This is pretty surprising considering that the Giants have had a stout run defense for most of the season. Unknown that almost 40% of leagues, Barber makes for a decent running back three flex this week against the 49ers. On the other side of the ball, again, with Adam Humphreys, Jameis Winston's almost favorite target, has three touchdowns in his last four games over 50 yards in five of his last six. He's still only owned in 15% of leagues, and he needs to be owned in most PPR formats as a high-floor flex. Sterling Shepard, on the other side of the ball, two receptions, 22 yards, has been useless over the last three weeks, You know, pretty much since Evan Ingram returned. I would write him off this week, but the Giants are going up against the Eagles, who just got roasted by the Saints' second wide receiver in Traquan Smith. Shepard is a risky but high upside flex this week. On to the next game, Cowboys at Atlanta. Cowboys had 22, Atlanta 19. Amari Cooper had his worst game as a Cowboy this far with three catches for 36 yards. The Cowboys were comfortable letting Ezekiel Elliott touch the ball 30 times. So no one else really got much going. They didn't really have to. Save for a bump for Cole Beasley. He had five receptions for 51 yards. The Falcons have been known to cover the outside better than the inside. And their linebacker game has been kind of in shambles, so this isn't entirely unexpected. Cooper should bounce back against the Redskins, but you have to realize his floor is going to be pretty low in this offense, as they do not tend to score a lot. On the other side of the ball, Ito Smith only had three fewer touches than Tevin Coleman, who had, I mean, Smith had eight, Coleman had 11, but he was far less effective. He had 22 yards to Coleman's 85. Smith is almost entirely touchdown dependent and can't be relied on in fantasy at this point. Calvin Ridley had a second straight piddling game on Sunday, amassing only 32 yards on three catches. There is reason to rejoice, though, as the Falcons face the Saints on Thanksgiving. Ridley went nuts on the Saints in Week 3 for 146 yards and three touchdowns, easily his best week of the season. The Saints are a better team now than they were then, but it's still a situation worth trying to exploit. And on to the next game. Panthers at Lions. Panthers lost this with 19-20. DJ Moore exploded for 157 yards and a touchdown on seven catches Sunday in a losing effort to the Lions. Moore seems to play up to his competition as games against the Ravens and Lions dwarfed his output against the Bucs and the Steelers. You know, whose corners are inarguably much worse, you know, over these last four weeks. He's kind of bookend with, with good games. Moore faces Seattle this week, so maybe that's a good sign. He's got to play up for them. Either way, he's a superstar in the making. He was my favorite receiver coming into the draft, and he needs to be owned in all formats. Curtis Samuel had his best game of the season as well with 55 yards and a touchdown on five catches. He's only a deep league ad, though. Um, 
the Panthers still would do well to keep the young speedsters involved in the passing game. They have some talent there. On the other side of the ball, the newly acquired Bruce Ellington had a strong start as a Lion with Marvin Jones out with injury. Ellington had six receptions for 52 yards. The Lions play this Thursday, and Jones was absent from practice on Monday, so there's a good chance Ellington is a big part of the offensive scheme this Thanksgiving. Add him where necessary. On to the next game, the Steelers at the Jaguars. Steelers won this one 20-16. There was nothing wrong with James Conner this game, who had 15 touches and 49 yards. Steelers just moved away from a run game that was ineffective against the Jags front that should play that well every week, but don't. What was expected to be an aggressive passing game against the Midland Steelers secondary became a ground control contest as the Jags went up early on the Steelers, only throwing the ball 18 times all game. There wasn't a single Jaguar receiver of over 50 yards, and only Leonard Fournette had more than 20 yards through the air. With Buffalo and their stingy secondary up next, this isn't a week to bet that the Jaguars will buck this running trend. So I'm not relying on any. Jaguars receivers, Jaguar receivers this week. Moving on, the Texans at the Redskins. Texas won this one 26-24. Kiki QT led the Texans in yardage and targets in week 11 with 77 yards and five catches on nine targets. DeAndre Hopkins got the Josh Norman treatment, so that explains some of it. But what's crazy is that Demarius Thomas only saw one target on the entire day. I can't advise to drop Thomas as the Texans can support three wide receivers to be seen, but you can't play him until we see something substantial from him. Alfred Blue, 46 yards. His carries went down this week. He would had 15 in each of the, the previous uh, two weeks. The Texans aren't certain to bring Deontay Foreman back this season, but Blue can't seem to capitalize on the significant touches he's been getting as they don't really use him on the goal line, and they don't really use him in the passing game. So he's useless in fantasy. On the other side of the ball, Alex Smith broke his leg on an ugly tackle Sunday afternoon, ending his 2018 campaign. Colt McCoy came in and threw for 54 yards and a touchdown to Jordan Reed, something that has eluded Smith for 10 weeks now. I actually don't see this change as a negative for the Redskins offense, as McCoy who, though he's prone to more error, um, will take some more chances with the offense, I think. I actually like Jordan Reed more now. McCoy won't blow anyone away with his arm, but he's not afraid to run with the ball, as evidenced by his 35 yards on the ground on Sunday. I think he's a QB, too. You can stream him if you like. Next game, Titans at the Colts. Titans lost this one to the Colts, 10-38. to Marcus Mariota suffered a stinger on Sunday, but he is not in concussion protocol, so it looks like he's avoided that scare. What he didn't avoid is re-injuring his elbow that had been troubling him earlier this season. Blaine Gabbert finished the game, though poorly, and get the start against the Texans on Monday. So start the Texans defense if that's the case. Look for the wide receiver weary Titans to lean heavily on Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry in that one if Mariota can't go. On the other side of the ball, Eric Ebron wasn't targeted on Sunday, hitting rock bottom as a fantasy option. The return of Jack Doyle has affected Ebron adversely, and now he has to rely almost entirely on end zone looks. Fortunately for him, the Colts face the Dolphins this week, and they give up major action to the tight end. Unless you got a much better option this week, I say stick with Ebron. 
Dontrell Enman looks like he's running as the number two wide receiver in Indy right now. Four receptions, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Andrew Luck is spreading the ball around quite a bit, but I guess Inman might be worth a look in deep, deep PPR format. On to the next matchup. Broncos at Chargers. Broncos won this one 23-22. It's worth noting that Philip Lindsay didn't come out of the game when they were two yards out of the end zone in the fourth quarter, even with Royce Freeman at the team's disposal. Philip Lindsay ended the day with 106 yards and two touchdowns. I don't know. To me, this shows that Lindsay is still the top dog in Denver. Freeman is going to have to depend mostly on touchdowns to make his fantasy nut. Cortland Sutton tied Emmanuel Sanders for the target lead with seven and outpaced him in yardage 78 to 56. Sutton has bested 50 yards receiving in four of his last five games and has a great shot to go big against the Steelers this week. On the other side of the ball, Antonio Gates looked like his old self on Sunday, putting up 80 yards and a touchdown on five catches. It was his best line of the season. It still wouldn't be prudent to me to advise using him against the Cardinals this week, as they tend to cover tight ends pretty well, and he hasn't come close to a line like this all season. Tyrell Williams has been slumping over his last three games, only two receptions for 22 yards in this one, even though his targets are rising on the whole. He's had six targets in each of his last two games. With Keenan Allen likely to face off with Patrick Peterson for much of the game this week, Williams will have an opportunity to bounce back. On to the next game, the Raiders at the Cardinals. Raiders, Raiders actually won this one 23-21, barely, with their best wide receiver sidelines. And, 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 I, and I use best uh, as, as, uh, loosely. The Raiders resorted to giving three running backs double-digit carries in Week 11, and they actually won for it. Jalen Richard was the most effective back in the day with 93 yards on 14 touches. He took over after Doug Martin injured his ankle, and he ran with it. Richard is the best back in Oakland. We, we've known that, and hopefully now Coach Gruden knows, it, knows that. Richard is a hot pickup, even with the Raiders facing the Ravens this week. DeAndre Washington could see some more action, too, if Martin has to sit. Brandon LaFell tore his ACL on Sunday, ending his season. So, you know, his run as the number one in Oakland was short. Jordy Nelson has a chance to return this week, so I guess he's back to being the number one, whatever that means. I wouldn't advise using any Oakland wide receiver this week against the Ravens. On the other side of the ball, Christian Kirk displayed his big playability in Week 11, putting up 77 yards and a touchdown on only three receptions. The Cards rode David Johnson all day in this one, throwing the ball only 20 times. All cards, pass catchers, should see more targets this week against the Chargers. On to the next game, the Eagles at the Saints. Eagles got blowed out, 7-48. Saints look like a Super Bowl team, maybe. Josh Adams, 10 touches, 72 yards, one touchdown, is the Eagles' lead back in practice, if not in name. He was the only thing working for Philly's offense on Sunday, and will see a lot more action going forward. He needs to be added in all formats. No Eagles wide receiver had more than 50 yards, but Golden Tate did lead the team with eight targets. Like I thought, he's just getting acclimated to the Eagles offense, and he will be a major contributor going forward. On the other side of the ball, everything was working for the Saints. You know that. They did find something they liked in Traquan Smith's matchup this week. Ten receptions, 157 yards, one touchdown. It is worth noting that he wasn't targeted at all 
the week before. Smith had, well, Smith did not practice this Monday. So that's something to look into. And his floor is abysmally low, as we have seen. But his ceiling is too high to keep him out of lineups if he goes this week. On to the last game on Sunday, the Sunday night game, the Vikings at the Bears. Vikings lost this one 20-25. Dalvin Cook had 12 touches but only 10 yards. Couldn't get anything going on Sunday against a bullying Bears defense. The Vikings found much more success through the air, so they stuck with that plan. You know, this has to leave a bad taste in Cook's owner's mouth, you know, as they were already kind of wary of, kind of wary of relying on him. But I think it was largely a game flow thing. He's not hurt, and he'll have a much better time against the Packers, who are down defensive end Mike Daniels this week. The Bears' offense didn't so much win the game as they kept the defense fresh enough to keep brutalizing the Vikings. Jordan Howard had 19 touches, 65 yards. Solid game, but I wouldn't rely on him too heavily as the Bears faced the Lions this week a team that Howard only had 32 yards against only two weeks ago. Taylor Gabriel reemerged in this one with 69 yards on the day to lead the Bears receiving. 40 of those yards came on the first drive of the day, though, so I'm not reading too much into this one. I'm not picking him up this week. So that is the fantasy fallout for Week 11 going into Week 12. Good luck this week. And a happy, hopefully thankful Thanksgiving. Count your blessings. I know I've got a lot of them. See you later, Roster Watch Nation. <laughs>